this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Warning! The following podcast contains adult language, adult content, weird and unusual stories that all happen to be true. We didn't start this war on safety, but we're going to fight that safety war and we're going to win it. Welcome to Safety Wars Live. This is episode two. We're still talking about this ongoing thing with uh, uh, disaster preparation. Today we're going to talk specifically about some PPE, mainly hand protection. First rule of disasters usually are do not become part of the problem. So people go not thinking, they're not prepared, they go rushing into an issue. We want to avoid that. We want to plan things out. We want to have some type of disaster preparation. So we got our audience here and they're waving to me. We're in lovely Clarkstown, New York. So how do we avoid issues? You got to think about things prior to going in and rushing in, number one. Number two, get a little bit of training before you go in. Number three is choose the right PPE. Let's talk about hand protection. 40% of the uh, injuries in the workplace are uh, deal with the hands. Cuts, lacerations, bruises, amputations, breaks, fractures, you name it, things to do with the hands. So what you want to do is, using the, your hierarchy of controls, you try to eliminate those hazards first. In a disaster situation, you're not really designing your workplace. You're not really designing the disaster, so you're going to rely on PPE and your common sense. Way back in the day, when someone said to you, go get a cut-resistant glove, go get uh, other things, right? Go get a chemical-resistant glove. What did people do? They got their standard leather glove. Pretty good glove for general duty work. If you're dealing with abrasion uh, resistance, maybe puncture resistance, except for sharps or something, pretty good glove all around. If you're going to be swinging an axe or something, really good glove to have for general stuff. Maybe digging through, we're over here in the woods, no, digging through woods, digging through piles, right? Things of that nature. Good all-around glove. But if you're going to start digging in, putting your hands in places, may not be a good idea. Maybe use a probe, maybe use a grabber, maybe use a tool, something along those lines. So, back in the day, we were all guilty of it as safety professionals. Hey, go get a glove. We get this glove. Way back in the early 2000s, it started to become popular talking about cut-resistant gloves. But nobody really knew what a cut-resistant glove was. Someone said, hey, go get a cut-resistant glove. You had no idea what this was. So what happened? You went and you got this glove. And they go, oh, yeah, really good, cut-resistant glove, blah, blah, blah. What happened was the American National Standards Institute started to scrutinize this stuff. And there are other organizations. They said, we're going to test these gloves and find out what kind of cut resistance they have. They got this one. Okay, hey, leather glove, 
basically the same as your skin because it's made out of pig skin. And then they ended up getting what was called a knit glove. And the knit gloves are made of all different kinds of materials. There's Dyneema, Kevlar, Spectrofiber, some of the other ones, uh, to name a few. But what happened was they found out there were four different properties dealing with a glove. Let's see if I remember them. Lubricity, which means they're slick. Things just go over them. Rolling action, meaning that they're going to bunch up. All right. The other thing is hardness of the material. Is it hard? And the other thing is, is it dulling? Does it dull an edge? Those are the four, uh, four things for a glove, the four attributes for a cut-resistant glove. What does this come down to? Under the current scheme, there are nine different types of cut-resistant gloves. No, this would be rated at a, at a zero if it's rated at all. Usually they're not rated. The knit gloves, this for example, is a uh, A4 uh, glove, cut-resistant for a glove. And that, so this is probably your general duty cut-resistant glove where you're going to have a moderate level of protection. They go all the way up to cut level 9, which are like stainless steel uh, threads in here. You really don't want to wear them colder than 60 degrees because your hands are going to freeze at 60 degrees Fahrenheit here. However that works out in Celsius, I, I don't know. Then, this is a ANSI cut level 5 glove. Right now I'm covering up the name of it. But you need to do your homework. You're never available all over now in Home Depot. And years gone Home Depot, Lowe's. Okay, I said names of stores. But you have to do your research what exactly it is. And they're, they're marked right on the glove. This one also has an attribute of where not only cut level 5, right, from the threads, it's uh, plastic on the back for impact protection. Because a lot of times, I saw a guy today with a horrible injury on the back of his hand, right, from this type of gloves. And for our listeners at home, you ha we have plastic on the back of the glove. So uh, basically, the, uh, 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 it's to protect the back of your hands. Way back in the day, these things went for $40, $50, $60. We're talking way back in the day, maybe eight years ago. Now they're pretty ubiquitous. They're common. Those are the different types of gloves. Plus we have a PVC or nitrile, depending on the brand and the glove, uh, 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 grip on here. Gives you a limited amount of uh, protection and from chemicals. Very, very, very limited. I would not use that for this. This is more for grips. Okay, so maybe wet, water sort of thing. Over here, let's say you want a combination of a leather glove for good for abrasion and some puncture resistance. You also want cut resistance. There is this style glove where it's both, and that has a cut level. I believe this is cut level two. Now, the thing is, when you buy the gloves, you want to make sure you retain the receipt and a cut sheet. Put those in a file if you're in procurement, because if there's a problem, those are the two things people are going to ask for. Going on to our chemical gloves. They're all different types, all different styles. So you have to figure out is what kind of chemical are you going to be using? What are you going to be exposed to? It's an assessment, an exposure assessment. Same thing with the other gloves I have here and the chemical gloves. And you got to figure out 
what exactly am I going to be exposed to? Now, the advantage is, versus 25 years ago, all of these manufacturers have the information usually readily available on their website. So, or it's directly on the boxes and things of that nature uh, that they come in. And you figure out, well, I'm going to be using an diesel fuel or fuel oil, right? Fuel oil, and you go on and you say, oh, well, this glove, latex, is a poor one. We have a latex, poor. Then we have a neoprene glove, right? Neoprene is excellent. PVC is excellent. Nitrile, which I don't have when I have the surgical glove, is excellent. And the chemical resistance guide is right on the packaging that we usually throw out in the first 20 seconds of getting the glove. But all of this is available, and you have to go and you have to match it up. All of these things have what are called cut sheets available, and they have to be available. And every January, when I tell everybody, every January, uh, go through, because that's usually a slow time for safety professionals, where you may be fi uh, uh, doing things uh, from last year, fi finishing paperwork, things of that nature, and you go and you find out exactly what you're going to need uh, for that year. You reevaluate because they come out with different chemical information all the time. The other thing is this. You have some gloves. I'm not going to mention the brand name here. Right? Some gloves have an expiration date on them. And you have to double check the expiration date. The other things that happen is you buy a pair of chemical resistant gloves. You put them up on the wall or on the, look sh on the shelf wherever you store them, you end up getting this stuff oxidizes just from the air. And it cracks and it gets old and everything else. That's all I want to talk about hand protection. So, in summary, you want to make sure you assess the hazard, number one. You want to analyze what the correct glove is for what you're doing, and then you have to go out and get the glove and make sure you wear it. And remember, 40% of your injuries out there in the occupational environment is going to be to the hands. It's probably the same for disaster workers or emergency response. This stuff has to be way in advance planned out. One final thought. What's the most common exposure to a chemical, in my experience at least, on a disaster site? It's going to be gasoline from fueling generators or fuel oil from fueling generators, compressors, and other heavy equipment, things of that nature. You may not have a water source to wash your hands. You look on the safety data sheet, which comes with all these chemicals, we'll talk about that in a later episode, all that stuff has to uh, be evaluated ahead of time. You don't want it on your hands because there may not be a water source. That's where gloves and avoiding a hazard become critical. For safety wars, this is Jim Polzel. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company.
No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.